If you have ever lived in Ulsan, there's a chance you have crossed paths with Dave, the host of over 50 epic parties, which include home-cooked food and unlimited cocktails from his home bar, which boasts over 150 bottles. At 53 years young, Dave has recently cut his body weight in half and is more energized than ever. This episode will touch on the good old days, recipes for success in the kitchen, bar, and the gym, and plans for the future. This one is a must-listen. This episode is brought to you by Dr. English. Try a free one-to-one class with a native Dr. English teacher anytime. What do you have to lose? Go right now, pick up your phone, and call 010-4591-1496 for a free trial class. Dr. English is an all-in-one platform for online English conversation classes that can help you overcome problems with shyness or fluency. Why pay more for face-to-face classes when you can learn from the comfort of your own home with qualified native English speakers? Level up your confidence and fluency today. Visit their website at www.dr-english.com. Open your doors to endless opportunities. Dr. English. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. How long is booze good for? Well, booze, really, if it's stable, is good indefinitely, right? Like, I think a mom and dad's covered in... Well, if you're... Some of those bottles are in there for 10 years. Is it still good? Yeah, totally fine. So the thing is, uh, what you really uh, want is, like, fortified wines keep in the fridge, right? So vermouth is going to go off, right? Once you open a bottle of wine, you know, that's got a shelf life. But if you've got an 18-year-old bottle of scotch, you know, you just keep it up on the shelf and Mm. sip it every once in a while, right? So not a real big uh, uh, incentive to to throw it out, right? Mm. Bailey's Irish Cream might spoil it a little bit. I threw one of those up the other day. Okay, but... It is that crazy. We haven't had this in two years, three years. Can't be. Yeah, but I would just pour it first, right? So here are the new bottles, right? Yeah. This you can't add, you can't get in Korea. It's Luxardo Maraschino, right? And it's an Italian liqueur that's cherry flavored, but it's not a sweet thing, right? It's a Al, really Al said, ask him about his bottles. He must have a few new ones. All right, him. so it's a viscous, uh, herbaceous uh, cherry liqueur. Mm. And it's an essential ingredient in some, like, prohibition cocktails, like the last word, right? It's something you'd put in a Hemingway, co- uh, in a Hemingway uh, daiquiri, right? So it's irreplaceable, all right? I've got a rum agricole. How much is that bottle? Well, you know what? Uh, 140000 for the alcohol, and I ordered it, and I was like, let's see. And anyway, 220,000 tax. It was like, oh my God. Really? Oh, yeah. So uh, I won't be doing that again. But so why, I, why was it 200? Well, it was over 100 bucks. It was the tax. Yeah. It was the tax. Because it's over $100. Yeah, I guess. But the thing is. Because I just ordered 10 hockey sticks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got them to write down I, $85 I, I, or something. I know, but it's not booze, right? So booze is one of those things that's like. Tax more? Uh, they're going to tax it more, right? Uh-huh. It's got higher da- rates, right? Here's a rum agricole, right? Now, when you're... Rum agricole is different. Most rums are made from the, you know, waste material of sugar processing, molasses, right? 
But rum agricole is made from fresh pressed cane juice, mm. right? So it's got a completely different flavor profile, right? Can't get can't buy this here anywhere, right? Mm. And this is Velvet Falernum. Now, Velvet Falernum is a Caribbean alcohol that's essential in tiki cocktails. All right? And um, it's got uh, Listen, almond. how many cocktails are you having tonight? Oh, I don't really... I only drink socially. So if there's no social going on <laughs> I know, no, for but three the, years and you're buying four hundred dollars worth of booze, what well, <laughs> decorations uh, or what? Well, it's my bar, right? I it's a it's a hobby, right? So so show me a shot of the bar. Well, here's the new shot of the bar. What I did was I cleaned it up and I reinforced I cleaned it up and I I reinforced it. So when I organized it by rum and things like that. So Do you have any pink Whitney? No, I don't have any Pink Whitney. Do you know what that is? And I don't know what that is. Huh? I don't know what Pink Whitney is. Come on. I, you just went down two notches in my book of booze connoisseurs. Number one selling vodka in America. Number one selling vodka in America. Mm. Yeah, well, you know. But it comes from Ryan Whitney. Oh. And the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh. Okay. And they, when they started Spitting Chicklets, the podcast. Oh, yeah. They were supposed to give up like a little promo or whatever. So he said, hey, you know... Uh, they were they were talking it up as a kind of a uh, not a professional advertisement just a, a run on advertisement or whatever. And they said, "Tell us how you like your vodka." And somebody said vodka soda. Someone said vodka. He said, "I like vodka pink lemonade mm-hmm. or vodka grapefruit pink lemonade." And that was it. From that, it was born. Everyone started putting in shots. He's like, "This is the best ever. You got to try it." All the listeners started putting vodka and pink lemonade or pink grapefruit, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and. It got labeled the Pink Whitney, and Barstool Sports ran away with it. They registered the trademark, everything, and it's the biggest selling vodka in America right now, which taken over Tito's and all those other guys. Mm-hmm. Like within like two years, yeah, it's became the number one selling vodka. And now he's going international. It's a crazy story. Yeah, Barstool Sports. He's the guy that does uh, one bite. Everyone knows the rules. That guy. The, the pizza reviews? Yeah, 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 pizza reviews. Absolutely. Like, it's a huge, and the marketing on it's crazy now. Like, it, it's wild. Yeah. The, the story the story behind it is really crazy. How it, like, was kind of born overnight, and, and that was it. It was, it was on. Yeah. All right, let's do an official, uh, official roll in here. All right, welcome to another episode of This Korean Life. Today, in-house, we have Mr. Dave Crowley, uh, Ulsan vet. You've been here... 17 years? I don't know. Wilson Two, Legend. 2004, maybe? 2004? All right. Nice. So, yeah, we're getting up there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We've, uh, we've, I've definitely run into it uh, at Tombstone. I think yeah. maybe some listeners have no idea even what Tombstone is. <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah. Um, but I think some of the most epic parties. And um, I've got a photograph of you right here in my absolutely. apartment. So, and that, yeah. and this is something that uh, me and my wife talk about that that comes up often is uh this party here where when we entered your house it's like a whole different you're in oak dome you're in the, you're in the middle of the, the yeah. hot one serious dome yeah yeah, it's uh you're right in the middle of all the hogwans and I mean I was working right across the street at the time yeah I entered this place I was like this feels like a like a western style house man was, that's why I like that apartment so cool, much yeah, it's really, nice. really got a character that's really unique right yeah even uh, on top of uh, on top of the sweet layout of the house the the hosting was was second to none well, there was, I there was a, a, that. a full spread any anything you uh, anything you want to drink as you were just explaining you can uh, 
you can whip up some some cocktails. Um, and my wife actually, she said she was at uh, at a Christmas party that you oh, hosted, yeah? and it's she said it's one of her best, one of the first times she ever felt that uh, like a like the Christmas spirit because she I don't know she, did she leave her mark on the wall? <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> uh, very few Koreans have uh, been uh, you know. Uh, Left strong enough for yeah. you know like uh, emotionally able to uh, leave their know, mark leave their mark on my wall right <laughs> yeah. and surprisingly Canadians uh, you know uh, they're they go right ahead go right ahead Americans right yeah. they're really reserved yeah <laughs> it's so the irony of America it was like uh, Puritans seeking freedom. To Is that just Americans Puritans. in Ulsan or because I don't know. In general, I would say they're not so reserved. Oh, I know that's what I thought, but uh, no. In reality, I found that uh, you know the most uh, willing participants were Canadians, South Africans, and anyone from the UK. Maybe that's because they drink more. <laughs> yeah, maybe some. Uh, but like you said, you've hosted more than uh, more than fifty parties. For I mean, the one I went to was very special. The one my wife went to was very special. Is there any one that sticks out in your head as uh, as one of the most epic or 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 memorable well, parties I mean, that you, they had? It's just fun when I'm able to uh, kind of cook around a theme, mm. right? So uh, I really like Mediterranean cuisine, yep. right? So uh, uh, getting down, I've got I've got the right. Uh, you know, I've got an oven and I've got a mixer. I can, I can put together and make homemade pita bread, mm. right? And then get it to puff up in the oven. Yeah. And, uh, so, if, you know, those times that I've made homemade pita bread with, mm. you know, baba ganoush and, uh, yeah. you know, hummus <laughs> and then... You know, get together and cook, and everyone brings a little bit of something, share in a potluck, and then, yes. you know, I sign people go to, you know, you get to the, you know, the 7 Eleven around the corner and uh, bring in, you know, some mix, and then we can make some cocktails. I've just had some great times with yeah. that, right? Homemade pizza parties, right? Deadly. Yeah, deadly. And, you know, when you let that dough ferment, you know, for 24 to 48 hours, yeah. so you get that zesty, you yeah. know, zing in the dough, and you can just make something way more creative, yeah. and just more delicious. What inspired your love to cook and host? Well, you know, um, I put myself I put myself through university as a waiter, right? And uh, Calgary, Alberta, uh, I worked at Smuggler's Inn. And that's... Bud, uh, Budgie Smugglers? Uh, Smugglers Inn is a legendary prime rib house oh, okay. in uh, in Calgary, Calgary, Alberta, right? And I worked there in the 80s. And, mm. uh, you know, I got fired on my first day working there, <laughs> right? So uh, I gave a good interview, and, and uh, Mel hired me on the spot, right? But uh, the next day, the owner, Frank Kerwicki, saw me, and he fired me immediately, right? Were you st- all of his the no no all of that you still remember the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of his waiters uh, were older mature right yeah. I was eighteen right and I I I first got my uh, I learned my chops at Chi Chi's American restaurant right yeah. it's the first restaurant that used the the quality service customer reviews yeah. right. And, uh, you know, it trained me how to actually, uh, well, 
control my table, increase sales, and uh, yeah. you know, be a better waiter, right? So I got fired because I was too young, right? All of his waiters were 25 or older, right? Yep. And I was too short. He liked his waiters to uh, have a presence yeah. at the table, right? But Mel said, no, 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 interview him, interview him. Yeah. He gives a good interview, yeah. right? So I explained that I'd, I already had another job, and I, I just, I guessed that he'd probably, uh, you know, he's got a lot of uh, waiters that are working split shifts. Mm. Just uh, just ease me in on the lunch schedule and yeah. give your... Uh, give your full-time waiters uh, a few less split shifts yeah. and, and he agreed right you know two months later they, they asked me to be full-time sweet and when i was 19 mm. they actually interviewed me this was at chi chi's or the no for the this coast? was at smugglers in yeah, yeah. smugglers i thought you got fired the first day yeah yeah but then he convinced them to get but then i convinced them to uh, keep me on right okay okay so two months later, I was, uh, I was, uh, they asked me to work full time, and uh, when I was nineteen, they interviewed me as a serious candidate to be general manager of the restaurant. Yeah. Now, the thing is, at nineteen years old, though, like there's no way that I had enough experience or knowledge, you know, and I had limited uh, experience, of course, in the whole environment of a restaurant, of course, yeah. right? But front of the but front of the house, like I really was an efficient waiter, right? Sweet. And uh, so this this spawned your your love for, oh, for serving. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and uh, and I gotta I have to credit my father too as well because he was always uh, uh, like uh, like a, a wine enthusiast, mm. right? So he collected bottles and things like that uh, for years and years and I've been to wine tastings with him. Nice. It's just an excuse to party. Like <laughs> on my 30th birthday he pulled out a bottle of 1967 Chateau Neuf de Pop. Right? And right? So the thing is uh, you know that bottle of wine today is probably worth two, three thousand dollars. Oh man! Right, but he had that bottle that he'd bought a case of in like 1972. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, you know, wild. just storing, right? So cool. So it's always been a passion and and uh, an interest, right? Mm. So every apartment I've ever lived in, I had a cool bar. Yeah. Did, mo did most of your cooking evolve over time, or did you actually? Learn somewhere? Or? Well, uh, the thing is, I'm I'm a really curious person, mm. right? So uh, what I really do a lot is uh, I read, I research, I and I mean the internet is just such a resource, right? And I like to you know put together multiple different things and then fuse them into my own you know creative. What you used to make? Some kind of casserole? Cornflake casserole or something? Oh, that was so good, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, we used to have a... Yeah, the... Uh, we'd be drinking at the bar at oh, four in the morning, like, come on, I'll make the cornflake casserole. <laughs> yeah, that's called the Christmas Wife Saver, right? right. And that's uh, that's a recipe that my mom uh, gave me, and, and she found that in a Best of Bridge, right? Imagine a ham sandwich, right? Mm. I, I imagine a, a ham sandwich topped with a Denver almond, okay. all right? 
and covered in a bowl of cereal and then <laughs> baked in the oven. What keeps it together, though? Aren't you just frying the... How Does it all mix together? Oh, well, it's not actually a hand. Well, so the thing yeah. is, so you butter some bread, put it on... Oh, okay. Uh, put it on the bottom mm. shelf, right? Yeah. Then you uh, you layer a whole bunch of bacon and cheese, oh, okay. right? Ham and cheese, whatever it. protein you want. Okay. You I know? imagined a ham sandwich, right? Yeah. Then you put another top of bread on, yeah. all right? Another layer of bread. Then you cut up a whole bunch of vegetables, consistent with a, a Denver omelet, yeah. right? You throw in some Tabasco sauce, mix the eggs. You just layer it all in there, oh, right? Yeah. There's milk in there, and okay. then what you Lights. do is. You grind up some cereal and you just layer that oh, okay, on top, okay, okay. right? Okay. So the whole thing bakes like a casserole. Beautiful. And it just, it's, well, it's a ham and cheese sandwich covered yeah. with a Denver omelet and, and a bowl a of cereal. Crunch, yeah. That's <laughs> it. I used to remember some late, late, late nights and it'd be, who wants the casserole? Like, oh, <laughs> I should probably get some sleep, man. Yeah. You want to make casseroles? Jesus. Yeah. You're a, a wizard in the, uh, in the kitchen, also with mixing drinks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have a personal favorite to a personal favorite to drink and a personal favorite to make? Well, uh, you know, June at mm. uh, at uh, JJ's, JJ's mm. um, we were uh, hanging out a whole group of us. We went to Busan. Mm. We ordered uh, uh, Long Island iced tea in this restaurant, and I had that. And she, you know, uh, uh, deconstructed that. And I and with my experience in the bar, I told her you know, how to make it mm. really good, yeah. right? So when she went back to, uh, you know, when she came back to Olson, she tweaked it, and, you know, like her Long Island iced tea is perfection. Yeah. It's just a really, it's just a beautiful cocktail yeah. to drink. That's so much fun, right? Unless it's that Thursday party. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say. Thursday party, long tea, long tea, the Koreans call them. Long tea, long tea. What, it's you, just you a bad recipe? You in the morning. Because you get, you get diabetes. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and then no. you black out. Oh, well, yes, yes. I did actually set a record. I had diabetes. eight. A record. Eight. Thursday party. Long Island iced teas. Long Island iced teas. I, you know, at JJ's, right? Oh, okay. I, I will never, ever duplicate that. But that's just a brilliant cocktail, right? Yeah. But I have to tell you, one of the cocktails that I made recently, mm. I've been following a lot of channels on YouTube, mm. like uh, uh, Distinguished Spirits. Mm. How to Drink, yeah. right? Uh, the Educated firefly right okay. and uh the one that really 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 interested me was a 1934 don the beachcomber zombie now everyone's heard the name zombie right yeah, yeah, yeah. but do you know what's in a a, a zombie cocktail no it idea is, sent me the other day. Right, is this it, the one that uh that uh, what's his name used to make Bill Cosby. Well, I don't know if Bill Cosby ever made a zombie, but the thing <laughs> is, if he served one, I think that would give yeah. Bill Cosby an easy time to yeah, be yeah. a predator. Yeah. So the actual the actual zombie, it's like three different rums, and each one is an ounce, right? And then you top it off with a, you know a one fifty one rum, right? Oh, those now. It's just extremely potent. Yeah. Now, in the cocktail, um, what it's got, it's you've uh, you actually have to add six drops of absinthe to coat the glass, right? Ab absinthe, absinthe, and rum one fifty one. Okay, yeah, but absinthe's only six, that, yeah. and, and that's it, a zombie maker. Yeah, okay, absolutely. no, no, there, there's more. Oh, okay, okay, 
I had to make falernum. Falernum? Yeah, yeah. So what's falernum? Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. uh it's uh <laughs> it's uh it's like a a flavored rum, like a spiced rum yeah. from uh the from Barbados. Mm. That has almonds, zest of lime. It's got uh, cloves, allspice. You got to like and, ferment it yourself. And I you fermented can... it myself with oh. uh, an overproof rum, right? And it comes out, and it's sweet mm-hmm. and spicy, and yeah. just uh, it just explodes, right? You you put like just a quarter ounce in there, but mm. the spices and the flavoring, right? Yeah. You use uh, uh, fresh lime juice. Mm. You use cinnamon syrup. I had to make that, right? Um, then, you know, uh, mint, right? Yeah. So lime juice, grapefruit juice. Uh, so that whole cocktail, and it's got about four ounces of, co- of, of booze in this one, right? Mm. So I made one, right? And, like, it, it took me weeks to get the right ingredients, and I had to make the... Uh, yeah. So I just had one. And homemade grenadine syrup. Right, so I wouldn't the, even know where to start. I know, I know. That's so what? I actually crafted this homemade. So I've had a zombie. You got it. <laughs> according to the 1934 recipe, and it's it's just a complex drink, and you yeah. can taste every flavor ah, in it, and it's just cool. wild, right? And the most complex one I remember having, I think, were those Christmas shots where you get the white, the red, and the green. Laird, remember those? I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, well so white de, would, de yeah, white would be Bailey's, uh, green creme de menthe, and then and red. Something else. But well, those Christmas shots, they look pretty complex. They're layered three or four different colors in one shot glass. Yeah. They look pretty cool. Yeah, pretty but cool. This, this sounds like a little different level. This is a whole different Mixologist. level. Mixologist. Yeah, but uh, the craft cocktail scene, like all those channels that I've referenced to, mm. what they're using is they're using... Like uh, fresh ingredients, they're using limes and squeezing them, yeah. lemons and squeezing them, right? Mm. So, like when I worked uh, in uh, the restaurant industry in the '80s, this was still mass-produced uh, sweet and sour sure. mix that came from a powder, right? So the cocktail game that's like there's a new renaissance in cocktails mm. that uh, just ups the level of uh, flavor, right? So the thing is, uh, yeah, like it's kind of inspiring. Mm. So so instead of drinking it, I, I just, you know, watch an episode of How to Drink and say, yeah, man, I'll make that someday. But uh, like when I get to 75 kilograms, right, I'm having a reward party, yeah, right? Yeah. And my reward yeah. party, I'm going to call it my pita party your pita party yeah yeah because uh, i mean i really want to make homemade pita bread again and do the mediterranean thing and the next cocktail that i've got my eye on i want to make a sam ross penicillin yeah yeah so the penicillin it's a scotch-based liqueur with honey and ginger syrup, yeah. and then you uh, layer a quarter ounce of aisle of uh, of uh, eyelay of uh, uh, like a peaty, mossy kind of scotch on the top, mm. and it and lemon juice and it's uh, candy ginger. Mm. That one sounds. Where like do you, a, where do you find these? 
I've got all. So, but are you just watching YouTube and go, "That's the one I want to make." That or? yeah, yeah, that's the one I want to make. So I've got I've got blended scotch. That's going to be the base, mm. right? I just need some lemon juice. I'm going to have to make ginger syrup. That's that's not difficult, yeah. right? Make a honey syrup. That's just honey and water. That's not difficult. Mm. Uh, I'm going to buy a, a ten year bottle, a ten year old bottle of uh, Lafreyac. Right to get that peaty thing, and you're only just gonna layer like uh, like a bar teaspoon mm. over the top, right? So shake that up. That's just gonna be a, what's what, what's your go to if you go to like Wabar or or whatever when you go for a drink with a buddy? What do you what do you have? Long Island iced tea, and I like. But anywhere, like so. Oh no! If I so yeah. So if you're not at JJ's, or you're not at home. If you're listen, gin tonic, gin tonic. That's just a perfect cocktail, right? And I like rum. Yeah. Rum and what? Spice rum? Rum. Well, I used to, in university, I, I could put that on my cereal. Now. Oh, yeah. But oh. but spiced rum, mm. um, I, like like rum is a kind of uh, spirit that is just so broad. Yeah, like there's okay. so many different kinds of things. And... Spiced rum is something that, uh, you know, a few people would recommend to stay away from spiced rum because you can take a base rum that you want and then flavor it uh, according yeah. to your preference uh, much better, right? Yeah, but not, not the regular Joe. I mean, shit, I want yeah, a not, drink. No, hey, here's I, my yeah, spiced yeah. rum. <laughs> but, but the thing is, like a Cuba Libra. You know, just a good, you know, rum and Coke with a squeeze of lime. That, that's, ah, that's Eric's. That's Eric's thing. That's that's, that's a, an easy to go to drink, and and I like rum, rum, rum. Do what you know kind of rum? Oh. Well, the thing is, I've got what thirteen bottles of different rum in my yeah. in my collection, mm-hmm. right? So rum and Coke. What do you have? Well, yeah, rum and Coke. Uh, what kind of rum though? Well, I'd put in, uh, you know, Commander? Uh, <laughs> no, I I've got a couple bottles of, uh, you know, Bacardi Gold. That yeah. would just be totally fine. Yeah, right? Cool. Uh, you you talk about taste, and you're you're a great host. How uh, how important is presentation? Just to give some background, I've yeah. been to if it's cocktail. a magic wall, anything goes. I've been, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, to cocktail bars here. Yeah, where the the they're pretty much regular drinks, but the guy like blew a, a puff of, or uh, he blew fire on the ceiling. Yeah, there yeah. Was, there was a bunch of wild stuff. In. Bottle yeah. spinning. They like the bottle spinning here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how much is presentation important in, when you're hosting a party? Is that something you focus on? Do you want to give a good thing or is the, the product? Well, more? I'm I'm much more interested in the profile of the taste. Okay. The taste, right? Cool. So the thing is, I've got I've got strengths. I've got weaknesses, mm. right? My weakness is... I'm not really very good with the artistic presentation, oh, right? Okay. So uh, I I can't play it up, you know. Mm. When I try to make something artistic, I yeah. tend to like you, you. You're more about the sci. You're more science than than uh, than art. Ah, um, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. But the mm. thing is, I just don't have perhaps the the right skill to mm. to to present something yeah. uh that way so so that's something i like i i have to learn how to up my game right <laughs> if i want to do that so cool. so uh, you better do it before the pita party yeah well yeah 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 <laughs> do you know how to make a mark brown mimosa 
I don't. <laughs> no. But a mimosa is champagne and, and orange juice, right? Do you know a Mark Brown what, mimosa? Well, what makes a Mark Brown? It's just a glass of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I had some Russians over to my apartment one time, and they actually brought a, a bottle of Russian vodka with them. Mm. And, uh, you know, just a good sipping vodka. And a really simple, uh, really simple thing was a lemon drop, mm. right? So, uh, you know, fresh lemon juice, uh, like sugar on Those the rim, and, yeah. a, and a good vodka. You can drink them all night, man. Clean, clear, that's crisp. The, that's the crazy part. You can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. The, the booze game has changed a lot. I, I remember, you know, getting into, the, getting into it when we were pretty young there with wine at home, and then beer was horrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, the go-to was, was uh, Coke and what made the Dr. Pepper there? What's it called? Oh, Dr. Pepper. No. Now, here, here's another one, no, right? No, no, um, I know. It's a square, little square bottle. Yes. Amaretto. Amaretto. All right, so if you want Amaretto and Coke, and you're like, oh, I could drink six bottles. Of oh, this. you can. Because it <laughs> tasted like It like tastes Dr. like Pepper. Dr. Peck. Pepper, right? So, so, <laughs> so you, so you drop, you drop that amaretto shot into your, oh, into yeah. your uh, Coke mm. and beer and slam the whole thing oh, down. Yeah. yeah, but but I just, it I just mean like in terms Dr. of like Pepper. we used to drink that stuff because it, we used to try and find ways to make it taste good because so much of it tasted bad at those young ages. Oh yeah, you'd be choking on half that stuff, and yeah. you know we drank whiskey Coke in uh in high school and then maybe whiskey whiskey seven or sprite whisker seven <laughs> and, then, and, peckers on and, and then and now now i would drink whiskey on the rocks but just the progression of you know how it needs to be sweet and delicious because you're just trying to get it down yeah compared to now where i can appreciate something that actually tastes oh, good and just yeah yeah just to sip whiskey on the rocks is that's why i prefer an ice cold glass oh, with i still can't do that with man. ice and whiskey and that's the best way to have it but God, I could never, I could never crush it with Coke anymore. That I just, ooh, it just totally kills it. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, there's so many good ways to drink now, and so many fun. Oh yeah, there is a drinks. cocktail it's renaissance really going on. Yeah. So those channels I referenced, uh, distinguished spirits, how to drink, mm -hmm. the educated barfly. Yeah. There's like lots of fun things to learn, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I realize that my bar, you know, in many ways is kind of juvenile, you know, in terms of what I can produce, right? Yeah. So like, uh, you know, uh, a more serious palate will have many more different kinds of, uh, you know, whiskeys that are uh, much more, you know. Uh, That's for appreciating. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, mine is just for like, uh, you know. Well, I mean, I think you want a good. Let's party! You want a good balance. I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't know about that. I used to have a place in Mugadapping there, across the park from Al, where we used to have the the speaker competitions back in the day. And I used to have a decent amount of bottles at my place, maybe usually ten or yeah, fifteen. Yeah, they were all seven dollar commanders. But, from the <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. They were commander specials, and yeah. that was to party. I mean, that was come, order the $5 pizzas, Yeah. everybody drink a bottle, mix it with whatever the heck you want, yeah. if we were going on the town. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but that, yours is a little more little more than just partying, a little more connoisseur in there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But that yeah. place I had was... But I think it's good to be, it's good to be kind of in the middle. You don't want... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be like, come over and, and people feel uncomfortable drinking yeah. your, you know, you want to have a little bit of party, what do you, a little bit of... Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about the, I was thinking about the other day, the, the booze the availability of it here and growing up in 
in Canada, like where you have to go to the beer store or you have to go to the liquor store. Oh, it's dog shit. And then when I got to Manitoba, there was like a corner store that had a liquor permit or something. And you could you could go there for off sale. You can go there for after hour sales if you knew the owner's son or, or, mm. or stuff like that. But then I remember going to the States to play hockey at like 12, 13, 14. And all the gas stations and all the, the corner stores had it. And we would try and buy it. I remember buying, is it Red Dog? Yeah, Red, the, the beer. I remember, yeah. I remember got the big buying dog. Red Dog when we were like 14 or 13 in the store. And we had, you know, older cousin's ID or something. And we were like, what the heck? They sell it at the corner store. So why don't we try it at least? Yeah. And they'd sell it to you. I think it, it makes it more, when it's more readily available, it's probably it's probably less taboo. You know, like here when kids that's walk what around, I mean. they see like, it all the time. Like or, here or, it's standard, and I don't think it's abused. I mean, I think at home, <laughs> oh, at home I don't abused. know. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. have you have you walked hold down on, the street on, on. and we, seen the drunk people? Are we still people? in Korea? Okay, yeah. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> apart from alcohol abuse, a, on, foreign to Korea. Apart no, no, from no. the apart from the adjectives that are going to be drunk, regardless, if it's at the corner store, at the bar, at the hof, at the whatever. If you take those guys out of the mix, the average person. Who, who goes and buys a couple of beers and goes home. Are you talking about 30% of the population that you want to take out? No, Le- no Leaving no, mom I, and children? I, I'm just saying that it's <laughs> widely available. It's yeah. everywhere. Mm. And it's not people doing shotguns outside the corner store like we would on a night out. It's they, mostly people sitting at a picnic table or going to the park and having a beer and ordering some chicken or something. And, and it's, I think they have... Uh, are, you, are you forgetting about half or like meat dinners? Is that what you're talking about? No, no. I'm just saying how oh. it's available... In Canada, you can't get it anywhere. You have to go to the store. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Here it's available, and I don't think it's really... I don't think it's abused. Ah, it's okay, kind okay. of like they they, they can respect the ability to... If that was in Canada, I think people be going at 4 in the morning, buying two two fours and getting smashed and breaking bottles everywhere. And It doesn't happen here. You don't see broken bottles all over the streets. You don't see... I, I think it. They could, they've learned to how to handle it. You can't even drink in the public parks at home, man. In Manitoba. Yeah, you can't either. $500 fine for drinking at the provincial park. Huh? And well, here here you can buy it on the corner store though. and drink it down the road. I, I just I, think I, these, I there's a level of maturity in the, or, or respect or something in the culture that but then, I don't it's know, not abused. The kids definitely are more mature about it. Like they don't no, see it I, as like, oh, so I, I, don't, I don't totally disagree with you, but just to, to bring up evidence on, on the other side, we saw what JT posted, and I was at the Tewa... Uh, Grand Park early yeah. Sunday morning. It was a disaster. Okay, but that yeah. but hold on. In general, they're pretty good at that stuff. Yeah. After the baseball game, everyone picks up their stuff, puts it in the garbage bag, That's and brings yeah. it out. Come Fair. on. Yeah. In 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 general, they're very very good at that stuff. And it's only I think a new generation of these people that have lost the respect of the land of you know taking care and stuff. But mm. I'd say thirty five and older are not Japanese impeccable, but but pretty good at. Taking care of themselves. I'll delete that. Why? <laughs> you, you can eat off the streets in Japan. Absolutely. You can eat off the street. Did you see the one in the That's news yesterday? The baseball team was playing in the States. I think it was in the States. And they lost the game. And the guy had his team go up and clean up the stands after. And he's. they said, what are you doing? They said, well, this stadium, our kids have never had a chance to play in a stadium like this. It'll give them memories for life. And we want to leave it as good or better than when we found it. Oh, well, so that's why we have to clean up. And I remember the Japanese team in Brazil, I think, at the World Cup, same thing. They left a message on the whiteboard. They they mopped the whole thing. The cleaning crew had to do nothing. Beautiful. They said, thank you so much for your hospitality. This was amazing. Hey, we lost, but the Japanese are amazing at keeping shit clean. 
which can't be said here, but in general, the Taewagong thing doesn't happen here. Yeah. That's not normal. How's the, how's the house after a, after a good uh, shaker? <laughs> Is it... Well, uh, of course. People it, are pretty respectful? Uh, it, people help. I, there's always people to lend a hand to yep. wash the dishes and things like that, but there's still lots of work to be done. Absolutely. Right? So maybe part of the reason why my girlfriend isn't so interested in, in <laughs> letting me have parties is kind of means more work for her, right? Absolutely. So, uh, Cool. You know. Is there, you've mentioned, uh, I mean, in the in the picture here, man, there's there's Koreans, there's, there's foreigners, and now just looking at the, uh, I recognize some of the people in the picture, and they've gone, you know, in, in totally different directions. Mm-hmm. You said you've hosted Russians. Um, is there anyone, like a kind of celebrity dream that you would like to that you would like to host in your so Andrew Fawcett? So if <laughs> so if I had any celebrity come to my apartment mm. and uh, sign my wall, who would that be? <laughs> okay. Oh, Yuri. sure. Huh? Oh, what a lovely woman. She's welcome anytime. Yeah, what a lovely woman. Yeah, she'd be welcome anytime, right? <laughs> but uh, who would you, yeah, who did, I mean, if you're mixing uh, mixing a cocktail, sometimes if I'm exercising or, or yeah. training, I thought like, oh, it'd be nice to, to, to train, me. yeah, to train with this guy or to go for a run with this yeah, guy. Yeah. W- what do you imagine when you're, uh, when you're mixing up some some cocktails in the in the laboratory there. Well, I guess the people that I'd be most interested in talking to uh, these days would be the people that I'm uh, kind of following on on YouTube. Oh, okay, okay, cool. You can so, pick, pick their brain. Or? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to give a drink to a guy by the name of uh, Butter Bob. Butter Bob? Yeah, yeah, Butter Bob, right? Is he Butterball's cousin? Or? Well, no. What's cool about Butter Bob is uh, he lost 145 pounds, mm. and he put up a whole bunch of videos on how he did it. And, uh, Cut the butter? He, no, no. <laughs> he added that was butter. was your inspiration? Added butter. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, like, I've lost... Uh, about 130 pounds myself. Yes, I right. And, and the real reason that I did that was I threw out the dietary recommendations that I've yeah. been following my whole life. Exactly. And I, I stopped eating low fat. I added more fat to my diet. Right. Mm. I uh, um, I'm intermittent fasting. Yeah. Right. Which so which you're on and off. So uh, the thing is, I typically eat around 12 o'clock, yep. and I have a satisfying meal. So mm. I'm trying to eat about 2,000 calories a day, right? Okay. So, which should be enough to maintain, you know, Life. You know <laughs> weight for a guy my height, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, so... 6'2". Six, six yeah, yeah. 2,000 <laughs> 2, calories a day, like a 1,000 calorie meal. That's a meal-sized meal. Yeah. That's a meal-sized meal with enough... Variety to keep you to sustained until all right. My next meal is mm. six o'clock, so I've got energy for when I need it at work, right? Yep. And then um, you know, if you go to bed, you know, like five hours, you know, after the last time you eat, you're you're not really hungry yet, mm. right? And then your body, you know, in the middle of the night, runs out of glycogen and switches to fat burning, right? Mm. So I don't I wake up in the in the morning not hungry, get some exercise in right, eat at twelve o'clock, 
And uh, because I'm fasting, my body is just producing less insulin. Mm. And I got fat because I'm insulin resistant. Mm. All right. So the blood work has shown that my so my glucose, my blood sugar has gone from like 287 mm. to like 99. Beautiful. Right. And uh, I'm taking 25 percent of the medicine that I used to take. Beautiful. Right. My blood pressure is back to normal. All right. That's what so many people don't get, right? If you just cleaned up your eating, you can get off 90% of that. Well, the thing is, when you go on the internet and say, well, how am I going to lose weight? They all do the same thing. Well, you got to eat. You got to cut. You got to stop eating fat. Got to go low fat. Mm. All right. And you got to eat six small meals a day. And I'm like, oh, my God. So... My, that, that was the that was a school of no, thought no, but, for, no, forever. Yeah, yeah. But my body, of mm. course, is resistant to insulin. So having uh, having cereal for breakfast spikes my insulin, and then a couple hours a- later, having Starfy some again. kind of starchy snack spikes my insulin, yeah. and then lunch spikes my insulin. So my body can never utilize the energy in my stored fat, yeah. and I'm always hungry. Yeah. Right. So now. So the thing is, I have uh, like uh, um, like delicious meals. I stopped eating low fat, right? So I've added lots of uh, like uh, fibrous vegetables, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I have a salad is a big part of my meal yep. with like real Parmesan cheese, so, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's got flavor and taste, right? Absolutely. And I use a full fat dressing. Um, I'm full with salad, then I have, you know, like more vegetables and, mm. and things like that. So I'm eating far less sugar than I used to, Good. right? But um, so um, I, I I'm not hungry. That's the thing. I just want to, uh, there were, I read yesterday somewhere, the average person eats 140 pounds of sugar in a year. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 140 yeah. pounds of yeah. sugar. And do you know why? It's because they're eating low fat. When you're eating low fat, you're buying processed food that ah, has just, sugar the, in it. All the shit, man. It's just, it's just yeah. that's, anything that's, that's not real. Is just, that's what I've learned yeah, in the yeah. last five, ten years. Like, just eat real food yeah. that yeah. comes from real places. Anything, that same article I think said on Frosted Flakes, the number one ingredient is sugar. Yep. In Frosted Flakes. Yep. And that's and, a standard breakfast. And, and that's I mean, the million. dietary guideline recommendation. Well, you should eat cereal for yeah. breakfast. Yeah. And, and then the cereal makes you, like you say, spikes the insulin. You want more. You yeah. want more. So, so it's yeah. just it's a market. You know, thing. And here's another thing. Uh, you know, uh, long term. 100 and how much? 140 pounds of sugar a year. All right. So long term nutritional wow. studies demonstrate that children that drink low fat or skim milk. Mm. Right have higher obesity rates than children that drink full fat milk, mm. right? And that's consistent over many different I countries, right? So, so so the thing is, when I added fat to my diet, mm. I felt full, right? Yeah. And because, I, because I'm full, I'm actually lowering the amount of processed carbohydrates that I eat, right? Yeah. Now, a lot of people are doing a keto diet, mm. and I can see advantages to that, but I... I, uh, it's if it works for you, though, right? Well, Everyone, no, I mean... that's It's tough. you got to put a huge effort in. Oh, it's yeah. Not, it's so, not really sustainable. Well, it's kind of... in the world. It's really restrictive, right? right. So the, the thing. thing is, so I, there's a lot of elements of the keto diet 
that are I incorporate into mm. mine. It's like so. So I'm not going to be afraid of a, a full fat. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm also interested in switching away from seed oils and things like that, because, you know, um, that didn't even exist in the human diet until 1918. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, when Crisco, you know, came out and these hydrogenated products and things like that, they uh, I think they do a lot of damage. It's amazing how clear and obvious lots of those things are when you read a little bit. Yeah. And, and you look into the history and you look into where it came from and what, what the motivation was and, and why it, and it's all corporatism. Look it's all yeah, money, it really money, is, money, money, money. It's one, corporatism. One right? of the biggest eye-openers for me was the, who's the naked chef? Jamie, Jamie Oliver. Oliver. Oh, Jamie Oliver. When he did that TED Talk and he was showing the, the that kids in the States have, or originally they had the option of milk mm-hmm. and now it's an option of banana or strawberry milk and he's like, and he brought out like literally a wheelbarrow full of sugar cubes like this is how much extra mm-hmm. sugar kids get uh, yeah. a day a yeah. month a year yeah he goes, and this is how much they get over their high school career oh, and <laughs> just from the milk yeah yeah just from the milk yeah it's right insane. and but you know do you know why they have to do that because they've taken the fat out of the milk hmm. all right they've taken the fat out so it doesn't really taste all that, that you know oh dude so right. so in that in that same one it said it was talking about why this is a big problem and and it was saying you know obesity is the number one cause of death mm-hmm. and it's one in three it's a hundred and something million americans are either diabetic or pre-diabetic mm-hmm. which is one in three which is bonkers yep and it said and every uh, it, year they, they 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 recommend you eat less fat yeah. it's the fat you got to cut the fat cut the fat cut the fat but it oh. it, it it was comparing or it, it noted that smoking a pack of cigarettes a day is way more way healthier for you than the american diet yeah way healthier for you than the american diet where's my lighter and, yeah. <laughs> and just that you can see old people that never that were never on that diet of sugar 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 that still smoke and they're way healthier than you know the guy who's dying at 45 of a heart attack mm-hmm. and, and the heart disease and the obesity stuff is just taking over in it it's sad that nobody can step up and make the necessary changes and say "f you" to the corporate. Well, no, you as an individual moguls that. Well, I, I agree, can, but yeah. society or product of your society, and when society's bombarding you with all this garbage, yeah, it's so, hard to step out. So, I, for years and years and years, I did the the yo yo dieting. I did the uh, well, gotta go low fat because that's what is recommended. What was the final straw? Uh you know, uh, here's the final straw, like. The Corona pandemic, yeah. Right? Oh, you've lost all this weight within. Yeah, yeah. So last year, eleven months. Holy. How much? One hundred twenty pounds. Uh, I was one hundred and thirty-seven kilograms. Okay. One thirty-seven. So I'm getting close to eighty kilograms. Wow. Okay. Wild. Wild, wild right? Wild, so wild. the thing is, I think the 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 but the final straw was this, like. Uh, I I got a free health checkup for my uh, colon screening, right? Yeah. Because I'm in my 50s, right? And I was so fat that I couldn't cover my body with a house coat that they gave me. Mm. And I was just deeply ashamed, right? Yeah. And uh, it's really a happy accident that I yeah. that I fell into the eating plan that's actually working for me right so 
I know that every time from experience that I go on a yo-yo diet, I get motivated and I do it, but I go to bed hungry yeah. and I just can't sustain it. Dreaming it's like of food and thinking of food. It's like there. rolling a boulder uphill and the closer I get to accomplishing my goal, the harder it gets yeah. to actually finish it. Yeah. And as soon as I relent for a second, that oh. boulder comes crashing down yeah. and I gain all the weight back again. Yeah. And of course, I've got my friends and family around around me to say, well, you are what you want to be. You can't sustain it because of your lack of willpower. It's your fault, right? And I just got frustrated with that. So this time, I just, I understood one thing. It's like, you know, trying to eat breakfast was like, a difficult habit to establish, mm, right? Yeah. So I just said, ah, enough of that. I feel yeah. that that's what I did. So, Same. so don't eat it. So enough of that. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stop eating breakfast, mm. okay? And then a month, I mean, I bought an exercise bike, all right. And yep. then I got my Garmin Fitness Watch to uh, oh my hold God. myself accountable to we're my just, fitness go goals. Our last, our right? last podcast, we were, yeah. we were all together. I said, yeah. man, these things are, I, I can't stand these things. And I eat a huge breakfast. <laughs> I <laughs> love this thing. My, my, my fitness watch proved something so amazing to me. Mm. I always used to think that, uh, hey man, walking was a waste of time, mm. right? So I, I'd be much better off trying to get home by the bus and then spend an hour doing yeah. high-intensity workouts and yeah. things like that. But no, what I found out actually is slow uh, that slow and steady is absolutely amazing. Just to share my stats with you, I started off just by like maybe walking 20 minutes. Like uh, you take the bus to work, so I'll just skip a few blocks for 20 minutes and then take the bus the rest of the yeah. way soon i was like i think i'll take the bus uh, all the way there then mm. as soon as well i'll take the bus there and back mm. right so now i'm walking about twenty thousand steps a day on average right mm. and it's pleasant like it's really pleasant right i've walked six million six hundred steps right I've uh, I've walked four thousand seven hundred and ninety four kilometers since since July nineteenth when I got this less than a year less than a year so I'll be coming Holy up more. so so about five thousand kilometers in a year in a year it's about fifteen kilometers a day but the thing is along the way like you would not believe how great this city is for walking. The trails, the mountains, oh, the parks. Just yeah. not the sidewalk. The river, right? Yeah, not, the not the sidewalk. Not the sidewalk. Like where you walk most of your day. <laughs> yeah. No, just avoid the sidewalk. So, <laughs> so I walk in behind the district court. I take Beautiful. this. Uh, I take Beautiful this place. little hill down to the river, and I walk from Oakdong all the way to Samsundong, and mm. it's nice, right? Absolutely. Along the way, I photographed. Uh, all these different animals, right? Yeah, those birds. In October, I I was in the park just at dusk, mm. and I saw something I I've never seen before. Crocodile. A murmuration of crows. 
Is it a murder? No, um, no, a murder is a, a group of crows. Yeah. But a murmuration is a crows group of it's a group of birds. Like, and I'm talking <laughs> fifty thousand birds that are swarming like a school of fish in the oh, air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the word for that is murmuration. Don't they do that every night at six thirty? I don't know if they do it every oh, night. Oh, dude, yeah, they do it all my house. Okay, all but my so too. the thing is, just just seeing what? that, right? And you know that pedestrian bridge. It's uh, old. Uh, the old uh, uh, Tewa Bridge is now a pedestrian right. bridge. If you walk over that and look down uh, on a sunny day, you can look. You'll see. You'll Salmon. see. Hundreds of fish. Yeah, they're and they're big, right? Yeah. Like forty centimeters, yeah. right? right? So the thing is, I photographed uh, pheasants, uh, uh, an ammon lizard. Don't know. Right. So it's a really slender lizard that's like nimble and agile with a, a very long tail. That's, that's that's the whole part of the mental health and the holistic living and just having some time away from people and cars and yeah. noise and shit yeah. and just breathe and and appreciate where you are and yeah. and what what the the world has to offer. Yeah. If you're walking that <clears throat> from Okdong to um, to Samsung. Do you pass the, there's one patch of bamboo forest? Yeah. And dude, when you walk by it, it sounds like there's howler monkeys. Oh my god! What the yeah. hell is in there? Well, they're birds. So, so I was walking. It, it sounds like animals are just getting. Ripped yeah, yeah, apart. yeah. I I was walking by there and I heard that and I, it was like, all right, well, um, let's go inside. Let's see if I can photograph this. But there's a whole bunch of white birds in there. I I didn't. I mean, I I, I I don't know what species, oh, yeah. but the thing is, they're birds, and yeah, yeah. it and I don't know what they, they're doing. They sound like 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 howler mongoose. Yeah. yeah, it's like what's oh, going on, yeah. and I see all the bamboo shaking. And I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, we, yeah. One of our friends posted that the other day, and I was like, man, I drive by that all the time on my bike. I'm like, what the hell is in there? It mm-hmm. sounds like they're they're oh, it, it's a, it's a horror like a horror movie, man. Yeah, it's absolutely a horror movie, but. Uh, so oh, yeah. you you said once you get down to seventy five kilos you're gonna have the party yeah you're around eighty now yeah. what is what is the end goal what is the well you know ultimately <clears throat> I I'm gonna be seventy seventy kilograms what's yeah. that based on well well the thing is I'm going on BMI right so uh, seventy would put me at the very upper limit of BMI. But I'm still more muscular than average guys, oh, right? Sure. So I'm kind yeah, of BMI is a pretty crude. Oh, well, I, yeah, I it's a crude say. estimation, but the thing it, is, it's according just, to BMI, I should be about like 170 pounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. Which is what I was when I was like 12. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and, a, and a pretty good athlete. Yeah, but uh, um, as a short guy with broad shoulders, it doesn't like even when I'm uh, like even when I'm down to like I had a picture where. I was uh, like thirteen uh, percent body fat for a very brief period of time. I was like, I was, uh, I was like right before the Baba Ganoush came out. No, this was in nineteen. <laughs> this is Under, when I was underwater hockey team. Twenty five. When yeah. I was twenty five years old, right? Yeah. I just for a brief period of time, I was able to get down to a really good yeah. weight, right? And uh, I'd actually had one of those caliper test done so i knew that i was 13.5 percent on that day um so the thing is um even with clothes on people still called me chubby Mm -hmm. right just because of my build Mm -hmm. right so i don't have that lean sinewy 
kind yeah. of look, right? So, so uh, getting down to about 70 kilograms, I'm not going to have the muscularity I did as a 25-year-old, right? But I'd, I'd like to... I, I'm just estimating that that would put me around 18, 20% body fat, which Not is healthy, yeah, absolutely. healthy, yeah. right? Um, so uh, that's just a guess. But hey, a friend of mine is uh, uh, coming down to visit me and uh, she suggested that she take me to a place that's going to do a DEXA scan or a DEXA scan. Um, a body composition uh, imaging of your lean body protein, yeah. your your lean body mass, you and your fat. Yeah, I, I do that just in my gym. I don't know how how intense hers is, but yeah, you just basically hold the yeah hold the poles, take off your socks, and it gives you a full a full thing. How much you know, water and, and yeah. fat, and how how round your your biceps and your legs are, how much muscle, how much yeah. your bone density. So I'd like to what, find. What do you do? You stand on a scale with a two. You hold the thing and it sends some electric shit through your body and it gives wow. you the full yeah. uh, full readout. And you also well, get the weighing scales for that. Huh. It has like four electrodes. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah, just stand on it without your socks. Yeah. Well, I think my my scale at home has that. I think, but yeah. I don't understand this how thing, it works. I'm like, I don't believe this, this thing. This thing then. gives you a full print. You just stand on it and it just guesses your whole body composition. No, it's based on like conductivity. Yeah, conductivity. Yeah. So water conducts faster than other material, or or. Or something like that. So there's, uh, so when you're measuring uh, anything, you need a reference and uh, and a measurement, right? Mm -hmm. So they send out two signals, right? Uh, so they know what uh, uh -huh. how long it would take, and then they measure the delay in time, yeah. cool. and based on that, they they have a calculation to guess your. Uh, it's cool. I, I think it's pretty accurate too. Yeah. I can tell. I can separate like water and fat. Yeah, yeah. From the mass, you can yeah. estimate like how much. Yeah, yeah. But it, it tells so, you the, the size of your right bicep versus left bicep. <laughs> hey, everything, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to, I mean, I really like oh. data, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. so getting this uh, Garmin watch just illustrated to me, yeah. it really keeps me focused and on track, right? Have you have you ever, sorry, have did you have, like I'm still down 20 kilos from, from my highest there a couple years ago. Did you ever, like... I thought at first I'm going to try and, you know, I just want to get down five or 10 kilos. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, well, this is nothing. Yeah. And I, I'm now I get 10 more kilos and 10 more and 10 more. And then mm -hmm. I was like, but you're, so I, I just wondered if your 70 kilos was, was that your initial goal or did that, does that keep changing as you meet your last goal? Oh, and you're like, well, no. Shit, I still got to go. I'm, I'm doing good and this is easy and I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's where I'm at. So the thing is, uh, I wanted to be a hundred kilograms by, uh, by, the new year right mm -hmm. when when i uh when i made it to like 92 i was like wow all right i want to get to 80 kilograms soon 75 i think would be a pretty uh a really achievable goal but then i'm going to reevaluate okay i still think i can get down to about 70 kilograms mm -hmm. but uh you know, seventy. Like I'd, I'd kind of rather have the physique of like, you know, like a Russian gymnast as mm -hmm. opposed to like a uh, Kenyan marathoner, like elderly rice farmer on meth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh well done. You, you must feel it though, right? What? You must feel like bouncy. Or, or oh no! It's just it, I've got. How does it feel after one year? Well, the thing is. Um, 
it didn't take a very long time before I noticed an improvement in my energy. And then like, like I used to, like when I was 137 kilograms, lifting my legs and trying to pull myself up on the bus, it's almost like I didn't have enough leg strength to yeah. get me on the bus. It was difficult, right? And I had edema, which is a, you know, like my grandmother had these ankles that look like, you know, elephant feet, right? Mm. And, you know, as somebody that, you know, I just worried that I was going to lose my legs, right? If I get coronavirus, I'm going to have a... Oh, it's wild. If I get coronavirus, I, you know, with my comorbidities, I'm going to, you know... <laughs> not last long. I'm not going to last long. I've got a good chance of having a severe reaction, you know, and if I don't die, you know, maybe I'll, you know, be lucky just uh, to lose my legs, right? Yeah. So, no, I had to change, right? But uh, so just walking through stays when I'm walking, I'm like, wow, I just feel light on my feet. You look like Neil Armstrong bouncing around on the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much like that. And the thing is, you know, I could count on maybe one hand mm. over the last 11 months where I was like really hungry, yeah. right? That's it. So for the most part, you know, intermittent fasting has been um, just, so it's, I'm not on a diet. Mm. I've actually changed my habits to sustainable things. So it's lifestyle, right? So this is a lifestyle. And I still, I can still go to a restaurant with people. I don't. Exactly. Ha I don't have to. That's like, the thing oh, I don't like about keto when you go oh home. And someone says, "Oh, is it keto?" Is it? Listen, oh. listen. That that's not living yeah. life. I that, don't want to That's live like right. That. Yeah, like uh, low-fat vegetarian keto for the win. It's like, oh my yeah. god. Oh, that's okay. I balance it out do, with fasting. Do you do you do you have cheat days or do you like for me? I, I'm the same. I've been fasting for ages. Yeah. Um, but. Like I said, the only time I eat before probably three or four o'clock is when I do these. Yeah, <laughs> and it's right after. But I don't say, "Hey guys, sorry, I'm not eating today," because uh, you know, yeah. I just we're here and we do it, so we eat. And well, here's the thing: I've do you got... have the flexibility, or do you oh, keep yeah. it pretty rigid? Here's the thing: Woo! shift your window. That's right. that's what's awesome about uh, fasting, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, I've got the flexibility to change, right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, like days that I know I'm going to go to a restaurant, I might just have a really light salad for lunch, okay? Or skip lunch completely. Make sure I take my girlfriend out to a restaurant uh, like uh, 2.30 or 3.30, yeah. right? And uh, I'm going to be really full after that. So I've got enough calories yeah. to sustain me. So, so I mean, I've gone to the... Uh, this hotel, uh, the Schillis stay for yeah. brunches a couple of times, and I'm full. Yeah. I don't need to eat dinner, right? Beautiful. Yeah. So I got flexibility. What oh, do you What do you do when you're when you're either one? I guess you haven't had the party since, but yeah. booze is a big problem for weight. Yeah. When when people are drinking, yeah. uh, and two when you crave that whatever it is from home that you want or. You know, you want to make that. For me, I found a big one was cutting down how much I cook. Yeah. Because whatever's left over, I'm like the garbage can. And yeah. You just eat it so you don't waste it. So I just, I don't even cook for me anymore. I cook for my wife and kids. And whatever's yeah. left over, that's what I eat. Yeah. But before I used to cook kind of, you know, that whatever, I, even when I buy the Costco meat, I put it up in portions where now it's like half of those. 
and if there's stuff left over, I'll have it. But otherwise, I can just eat kind of yeah. whatever else is there. But well, I I've been I guess rigid with my meals and no snacks, right? So it's a big one. so when I'm so during the week, it's really easy to be consistent right. because you know I mean I've got variety in what I can eat for lunch, right? Um, and then I pack a dinner, right? Yeah. So I'm lucky to have the schedule to eat dinner at the same time, mm. right? So during the week, it's pretty easy to stay on, on a schedule. It takes a little bit of planning and prepar- preparation, but uh, it's really achievable. Yeah. The other thing is uh, uh, just no snacking, right? So uh, That's huge. huge well, yeah, no, but the thing is... For the typical person, that's... Yeah, but that whole, the reason that people, the reason that I was snacking, again, was trying to eat low fat, right? If you're hungry. Really? Or was it because it's available? Well. I find that the snacking just because it's there. Yeah. When I, you say before the walking or whatever, when I I backpacked, I spent a long time backpacking. Yeah. My, two or three of my trips. Yeah. Man, I'm pretty, pretty fit by the time I finish. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, and it's you know you you walk 10 20 kilometers a day yeah yeah but it's not having a cupboard or a fridge with shit in it <laughs> that you can just go get whenever you want and, yeah and eating eating fried banana chips on the side of the road in Ghana might not be healthy but you're not stuffing your face with shit in your house yeah. you're not you're not sedentary you're up and moving around yeah so yeah well I find I, just I, not having the availability of it is... yeah well I, I don't bring any snacks with me when I'm walking right mm. so I'm not like I'm not eating and walking yeah. and the idea that so I mean I love my apartment but I'm never there mm. <laughs> right so so uh, you know so what do you snack on if you have a snack what is it a uh, glass of water I really don't snack so the thing is so if I want to have a snack, you know, like something like kind of cheaty, just have it with my meal, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, yeah, and if I've got a cur- like a nice curry or something for lunch, you know, add a teaspoon of sour cream to it, yeah. and that richness, <laughs> that richness of the fat in yeah. that curry, yeah. you know, keeps, you know, it prevents me from. But feeling snacky for yeah. me for that one like a teaspoon of sour cream well i gotta buy the two tubs at costco so it's not worth buying. just don't even buy it anymore yeah like it it's either all or nothing you can't you can't fake a half a teaspoon here and there yeah i know you uh you mentioned about family family getting on your case and like it's all down your willpower oh you yeah yeah yeah. The, uh, yeah my father is just uh my biggest critic but uh i i've heard arguments for and against fat shaming yeah. is, it, is it helpful or no. the, or is it totally not uh, it, does it come down to the person was it was it helpful for you a little bit of motivation? absolutely not no absolutely it's really uh it's a form of abuse right? yeah so the thing is i carry a lot of guilt mm. and shame mm. about uh like being fat it's my laziness right it's your sloth and your gluttony <laughs> that made you a pig. When I went back and visited my father after like uh, the first year in Korea, I came at about 240 pounds. Mm. I went home at about 180. Mm. It, it took him 15 seconds to pick me up at the airport and say, I see you're still a pig. Nothing's ever good. So the thing 60 is, sixty pounds later. Yeah, I see Jeez. you're still a pig. Oh no. Yeah. So the thing is, I uh, I carry a lot of guilt and shame. Yeah. And that. I hated 
myself for mm. years and years and years. I internalized that. Well, no wonder you can't lose weight. You just don't. It's your character. Mm. It's your lack of willpower. It's your fault. And I think, I, I think you're. I mean, you're a few years older than me, but these days, like we said about it before, it's not your. It's your choice, or but but it's not anymore. It's like not. these kids are born into the the last. You know, a couple generations are born into this. Yeah. Where sugar is, they don't go to the store and say, I want the cereal. Yeah. Mom's got to buy that from yeah, two yeah. or three years old. That's the parent's it's choice. The yeah. new tobacco. And, and it's, yeah. you know, making them, making the kids happier or whatever. But yeah. that's parental. You know, that's what parents are for, to make good decisions. And yeah. they're just not doing it. But unfortunately, the kids don't have that choice. And they're obese before they understand why they're obese. Yeah. And they and, have, they're pre-diabetic in their you know in their twenties yeah. before yeah. before they even realize what had happened to them. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think probably around my age was when that stuff started changing with all the microwave foods and all the mums started working and and you know schools all had microwaves for your pizza, your burrito, your meat pie, your whatever the heck it was. Yeah. And before you realize, and parents thought, you know, and we're then busy. dietary guidelines pushed by, you know, corporations, you know, that are, uh, food you know, yeah, food the food pyramid. triangle, the food pyramid, I think is, well, that's gone, isn't it? Haven't they changed? It's, it's, it's a totally lie. different now. It's, it's, it's not, lie. doesn't look like when we well, were just, it, it, it really comes down to the individual, right? What works, what works for you? What, um, I mean, you know, what, yeah. like, uh, I, I'm looking at your physique, and I've got a funny feeling that you don't have problems with insulin resistance. Never have. Probably not. No. Probably not. But the thing is, I was growing fat. I, I was growing fat like at a really early age, you see right? McDonald's, well, no, 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 no. That's the yeah. assumption again that yeah. I was a big overeater. No, no, I, no. I said when you're when you're watching the YouTube ad, you'd get a little yeah. Oh, just, okay. Just right. looking okay. at it. Yeah, but, yeah. But, so, <laughs> so I used to be, uh, as evidenced by my swimmer's body, a competitive swimmer. Yeah. Right. In fact, I used to carpool to, uh, you know. The, the swimming pool with Mark Tewksbury. Okay. Right? Wow. Right? But... Uh, Dropping names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if I'm going to drop... Tewksbury, wow. I, If I'm going to drop names... I'm gonna Sunshine drop Girl? No, no, no. I'm going <laughs> to drop... So anyway, my, like my best friend at grade four was uh, Bruce Puntit. Right? Is that a real name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of G Adventures? Right? The travel... The ecotourism travel company? No. Right? Okay. Anyway, he's like Canada's, uh, you know, top uh, voted CEO for several years. Right? G- Bruce Poontip. So uh, right. deep respect for, for him. Yeah. Anyway, one time I was carpooling with uh, with Hogan, uh, Spawn, Ho- Hogan Sponheimer. Right? Okay. <laughs> so his mom picked us up at the school, right? And, and she was so dedicated and organized that she had a like a pre-workout snack for him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he opened up a 125-gram uh, container of sour cream topped with some kind of flavor, right? And I was, like, mind-blown, right? So the thing is, you know, like, I would never eat. Like, I was on skim milk yeah. and, you know, cereal and... Uh, no pre-workout snack and i'm the fat one and he just he just ate a tub of fat like what's going on that just 
kind of I still remember that incident yeah. jarring my expectations. <laughs> it's like, why am I the fat one? I don't I don't understand, right? You know, and then you know, like like swimming eight days a week, right? Mm. You know, early morning swims three days a week, every day after school, and my classmates telling me, maybe I should try to get some exercise <laughs> to help you lose weight. I'm like, yes, I understand. I, you know, I'm fat because I'm lazy. Yes, yeah. I understand. Well, I, I played pretty decent level hockey, and I remember going to the gym with my brother, and he would drive, we'd go to the gym, we'd work out like crazy, and on the way home, we'd stop at Burger King, and he would get two Whoppers and a smoothie. <laughs> That's when it was like, always Whopper Wednesday was like $2 yeah. Whoppers or something. Yeah. But whenever they had those days on, he was there, and he'd be two Whoppers and the, not McFlurry, whatever the heck Burger King calls it, Swirly or Smoothie or whatever it's called. Swirly Frosty. something else. Frosty. Swirly something else. Um, and I was like, holy shit, dude. And I go, okay, well, I'm just going to have one because, you know, I'm the fat guy. And he can eat two of them and they'd, they'd, be, they'd be gone before he finished eating. They'd be gone. Oh, yeah. And I could have one and it would be like, <laughs> I just grew a burger on my Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Like, yeah. those guys, and even the, even, even the Koreans, man, you watch them, you're like, how are all these slim girls pounding McDonald's and Ramyeon's? Like, man, if I ate that stuff... I would have been dead ages ago. Yeah. We got a we got a buddy at home too, Gino. He's oh god, the kid's a literally he's a beanpole. Yeah. And just any, I remember <laughs> McDonald's like you said they had the promotions. It was two Big Macs for two bucks. The kid ate four a day man, yeah. for for like Crazy. two weeks. And you're like Crazy. nothing, nothing happened to him. He's more than anyone. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, an absolute yeah. just yeah. a food processing unit. <laughs> um. It'll catch up with him when he gets you, older. Uh, it, it with his heart, uh, uh, anyway. Well, yeah. but Jesus. so I dispute the uh, the the saturated heart. Uh, I dispute that, right? I think as long as it's balanced, right? Um, there's still so much to to read about, but okay, the okay. thing is, uh, we definitely know that trans fats uh, are 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 very harmful, yeah. right? Uh, but saturated fat uh, was like the way to cook, uh, you know, for millennia, right? Yeah. And these uh, diseases of uh, of uh, these metabolic diseases, uh, heart disease, and uh, and that they're much much mo- more recent, right? Mm. So uh, I I've got a funny feel like reading books like Nina Teichel's uh, the big fat surprise mm. right there's lots of information out there that yeah. that disputes the link between saturated fat and uh coronary disease yeah. the the evidence is weak cool um i do want to hear more about uh underwater hockey oh my god can you uh, can you shed some light on the, well on underwater, underwater hockey yeah. that was just a passion so like, that was the story that came up with the cornflakes casserole every other weekend oh yeah <laughs> i mean so the thing is if there's one passion mm. in my life the thing that i just i just cherish more than anything else it's you know my experiences with underwater hockey right yeah. so when i was 13 right you know coming from the cascade swim club some of the pools that I, I swam at, we'd see, you know, posters for underwater hockey, right? 
So I'd phone up all the time and say, hey, can I play underwater hockey? And they're an adult club, right? And they said, no, we, we don't have anything for kids, right? But then one year they decided to, you know, teach kids and try and rake in some money so that they, they could use that for their, their, their club to pay for pool fees, right? So I joined, right? And I played for a couple of years and then I just always played so mask fin snorkel mm. you've got a little stick that kind of looks like a car scraper okay. in the wind winter time yeah. and you push and pull a puck yeah. a lead puck around the bottom of the swimming pool right yeah. you gotta hold your breath yeah. right so it's all about uh cycling right mm. knowing when to go down anticipation you know, uh, yeah, can it's you speak, just so much fun. Can you speak to some special breathing techniques that you might have uh, that you might have learned or had to had to had to use while playing underwater hockey? Well, I don't know if there's any special breathing techniques. The thing is, like uh, the equipment that you use, mass fin snorkel, like uh, the lower technology the snorkel the better okay. right so if you've got <laughs> a straw <laughs> no, 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 no. But i'm talking you know you you've got these j type snorkels that have a ball that yeah, yeah, yeah. come into the center of your head and they you've got some kind of uh you know uh, diaphragm that can blow water out yeah. at the bottom like i'm exhaling with such force that it just breaks mm. them right so just get your cheapest j type right now the thing is I want to cut down drag so it's too long. I shave that down just so it comes to the crest of my head, right? Okay. So the thing is the snorkel is only to keep you uh, breathing when you're on the surface yeah. so you can get back into the play, right? But when you're trying to swim quickly, that drag is yeah. a drag, right? <laughs> so I want to cut that down. So the thing is... What you really want to do is, like, when you've got the puck, you've got to make something meaningful happen in a short period of time, of right? Course, yeah. So you're going to be doing something for four, six, eight seconds. That's it. Yeah. And you got to get back to the surface and cycle to get down again, right? So if you're trying to stay on the surface for two minutes, you're out of the play. Mm. And if you're, you know, on the surface for... You know, if you're on the bottom for, you know, 45 seconds, you're, you're sitting still. Mm. So you're not doing anything either, mm. right? So it's all about cycling quickly, doing something meaningful with the puck, and getting out of the play, these getting are, back in. These must be flat pools, eh? Well, they're flat, flat pools. Okay, yeah. But the thing is, you play where you can get the pool, right? So <laughs> kind of there, go for there, there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of pools we, we, we did that had the slope for the diving board and okay, that yeah, presented yeah. a challenge, of right? Course. That was always fun. Right? Is there goalies? No, there's no need for a goalie. Like I've got a good shot and I can wind it up and crank it, yeah. right? And I could lift uh, the puck off the bottom by, you know, maybe 45 centimeters and I could shoot it like two and a half meters. That's okay. a really long shot. Oh, and no way. Yeah. I, so two and a half meters. Yeah, yeah. Really long shot, right? That's it. So it's not like you hmm. can swim it to center ice and, you know. Dangle around. Are you, are you from Calgary? I, well, um, 
I was born in Swift Current, but I never Swift lived there. Swift Current, wow, the Broncos. Right? Are you still ride or die on the flames? Well, I mean... Uh, Hold on, was there no ice where you grew up? Like, how did you end up in underwater hockey instead I, well, of ice hockey? It, well, the thing <laughs> the is, because I was broke. a swimmer. <laughs> I was a swimmer. But so still, the natural... most guys would be swimmers and hockey players. Yeah, well, I don't and know. And underwater hockey would never... I, I managed to avoid ice hockey. Would yeah, never yeah. creep into it. Well, I, I, I did gymnastics. Yeah. I did diving. I did wrestling. Yeah. Um, Everything else. Yeah. So I mean, and and I'm a passionate hockey fan to watch, right? But the thing is, Not uh, watching many flames these days. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. better than being a Leafs fan, though. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. I'm just trying to avoid two things I wanted to avoid today. Hockey. Oh, the memes One. are flying. The memes are flying. Oh, they're good. How long? How long oh, can this man, last? They're good. How long can this last? We're up three-one. I, I knew when we won when we won that game. I went, oh, All this right. is just setting up for a bigger disappointment. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, I got a couple more here for you. Yeah. All right. Now that you're in your fifties, yeah. You said I don't even know. You don't look like it, but um, do you start at some point? Do you start feeling old, uh, or now that you've lost the weight, do you feel revitalized? You feel like you're thirty again? Well, um, does it? And and being in a foreign land where there's not typical things to do for. For people of certain ages, does that do you start feeling like, how long can I stay here? Uh, what about my future? What about my pension? What am I doing here? Am I getting old? Yeah. Should I be thinking about moving on? Do you think of any of that stuff or no? Well, the fun's still here, right? So, um, and I feel like I fit, uh, like uh, the lifestyle here I'm enjoying, right? And I, in particular, really like this city. I really like talk living about it all the time, in yeah. Ulsan, right? What now, are the biggest draws? What what are you what are you attracted to? Well, uh, uh, number one, just the way that it's uh, set up with all the parks and things like that. I know it's an industrial city, but the thing you'd is, you'd never know it if you you'd can't. never know yeah, it. Yeah. It feels the clean. Are all out in the yeah, it feels yeah. clean and spacious, right? Absolutely. Lots of green space, right? And because of all that industry, the money's uh, here, right? So it's got wealth, right? So. Uh, it's sort of like the best of both worlds, right? Yep. What What about thinking of getting older? Well, uh, retirement. Like we got a few buddies now who are in these age groups where it's. I mean, not your age yet, but um, yeah, where you got to start thinking: is there an exit plan, or are you going to be playing paduka in the park when you're sixty-five? Drinking muckily, or I don't really know what the future holds, and I absolutely know that I'm not prepared enough, right? But the thing is, well, the reality of the situation is, uh, well, Carpe diem. Uh, <laughs> the reality of the situation is, uh, there isn't enough action on climate change. <laughs> so, the thing is, the storms are going to get bigger and bigger, right? There's going to be, uh, I believe there's going to be tremendous upheaval in the future. Mm. And, um, you know, I really don't believe that anything that you're squirreling away for saving is even going to be available, mm. you know, in 20 years. So being transient, being flexible is going to be the key. Maybe, maybe, right? Yeah. Somebody put something on the other day about a cashless society and what it really means that your son can't go down the street and work for the farmer for a little bit of cash. No car, no money in the birthday cards, no pocket money for your kids, and to think, yeah, if, if we went cashless, well, how do you like you know give five bucks to your kid and say go to the store and buy a can? I mean, I'm sure it'll evolve and it'll yeah, be, it'll just be your new, kid will have things. a phone or a chip yeah. in his arm or You'll whatever. You'll send him but, an NFT of 
But yeah. but just to think of like you can't just you know go to a part time job for ten bucks or cut someone's lawn and get Why ten bucks. Or, so it's cashless, it's cashless. Yeah. So I they can just transfer it to your. Yeah. I'm gonna try well, okay, and but, transition. Yeah. I mean, just without, exactly hard hard to comprehend. I think yeah. hard to comprehend that you don't get something for it's it's all digital and you don't see it and you don't understand the value of it. And oh yeah. It's just all. Yeah, but yeah. but that's maybe because we were raised with it and then we have to transition into it. Right. If you're born yeah. into it and you go, oh, this is. This number norm, represents right. your... Just like you know, the diabetes. Well, it's normal. You're born with it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going I'm to have to transition to something where I'll be able to work online in some capacity yeah. in the future. And, uh, and I, yeah. I, I kind of think that I'm going to be... Uh, Basement lab. I'm going to be working until I die. I, I don't know why people retire. Yeah, I think it's. I don't. I don't I, think that's it. I think. I think they retire from. A lot of people retire from the job they had to do, or yeah. they they were doing and stuck in. Yeah. But I mean, Dad started working the week after he retired. He golf course starter job, greeting the the people at five in the morning. Yeah. Mom's sleeping. Yeah. Dad's up at the golf course doing his thing. By the time he gets home, you know, it's it's time to enjoy the day. Yeah. yeah. Have a quick nap and and get on with it. But I don't yeah. think. When we say, I don't think people like just retire and do nothing. Yeah, that's crazy. You, that's, crazy yeah. that's when you do something that you actually. Maybe enjoy. retiring is just having autonomy over your work. Yeah, maybe like being yeah. able to choose your choose what you yeah. choose what you do. Yeah, I think that's awesome. What? Uh, so you've been here around the same time as I have. Yeah, How? I I came I probably came about eighteen months before you, maybe less. What are some of the highlights and how? How was? The city changed, good and bad, the foreigner composition, all of that kind of stuff. What are some things that stick out in your mind? Well, I, you know, the first thing I remember when I got here was how difficult it was to get a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Like there, there was there no, wasn't. there just was not. McDonald's and, and Dunkin' Donuts were the only yeah, places and, with brewed coffee. Yeah, brewed coffee were the only places, and uh, you couldn't even buy it in the store. Like mm-hmm. everything was some kind of hazelnut mix, <laughs> right? So, but now it's like, oh my God, there, there, there are <coughs> three coffee shops on every corner. Absolutely, right? That just blows my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I noticed when I first got here was, you know, the place kind of looked like, like every car kind of looked like a, like a, like a wrinkled shirt, <laughs> right? And uh, you'd walk by the street and there'd be like refrigerators that were just thrown out, right? And uh, Those are the ones it, me and Brian used to collect and bring to our place. Yeah. yeah. Upgrade. And so, so now, like uh, this place is, uh, it's just so much more. It's it's cleaner, more organized, and things. Not like Japan levels of immaculate, yeah. you know. Hey, the Tewagon used to be <clears throat> toxic, man. It was. Oh yeah. It was yeah. toxic. I remember going out on a lake on my first year, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a garbage dump floating on that lake yeah yeah but all the companies used to dump freely everywhere and then finally they realized it and i think two mares ago maybe yeah that that guy was phenomenal and he turned he no before him he turned that tewagang around and wow what a place now yeah but i mean it's an ecological playground it's it's fantastic it's beautiful all the animals i've seen and photographed so much fun yeah all right what uh what life knowledge do you did you acquire here that you think you wouldn't have gotten back home well, uh, there's a couple of uh, things that I've discovered, right? And I'm, I'm going to trademark this expression, right? Mm. You heard it here first. Time dries all dishes. 
Okay. Write that down. So yeah. the thing is, what I mean by that is, there's a lot of problems that you think you have. They're mm. not really problems, mm. right? Just uh, relax. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't need to try those dishes right now. Yeah. Uh, come on, they're gonna try themselves, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Time dries all dishes. I like it. I, I I think of that stuff all the time when someone says, "Oh, him that oh stress." Oh, and I'm like, "Hey, go check out what's going on in the in the Gaza Strip right now. Go to Syria. Go mm. go go to India. Go to places that have real crises on their hands. Yeah. Go go to Boracay, where where Scotty's asking for donations because yeah. the whole population lives off of tourism. Yeah. And there's there no is tourists. Yeah. So so the 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 ecological aspect of it, the island is is blossoming in terms of fish and corals and, and stuff like that but people are don't have food to eat mm-hmm. like they don't have food to eat tomorrow yeah um and you, you don't think about those kind of things but i mean mexico was a tourist hotspot for ages imagine how much they're suffering from just having nobody coming there yeah so number two life lesson number two mm. spend the money on a good bed a good bed yeah no. so the thing is uh like uh 17 years ago I spent like 1.2 million on a latex on a latex mattress and you know it's still comfortable today like it's still a great mattress yeah. right so uh, getting a good night's sleep is paramount to having a successful Priceless. healthy life yeah. right Absolutely. and lesson number three take care of your feet Hold on. <laughs> shout out to Benny there I want to try those booties my feet are in pretty good shape, but I'd like to try those booties. Yeah, and but you don't know when this shit's going to start falling off your feet. You know what I mean? He said put socks on. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, you want just like dead skin flopping off your feet, stuck <laughs> well, in your sock? Well, you it, want six-inch like calluses? Like a, I don't know. I mean, I think... Have you heard about these things? Dude, you I want to send them to my you dad. Put out, you put a bag of chemicals <laughs> on your feet, and then shit just starts falling off, and you got like a smooth oh, baby foot. That. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends tried that. Yeah. My, my my I think I take she pretty like she's shedding skin all over house. pretty oh, decent yeah, care yeah. of my feet. But when Dad went to get the pedicure last time, they went through like three belt sanders, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the lady's Dremel burned out the battery. And yeah. so if you could just put the booties on and it does it naturally, then what the hell, man? Oh, dude. So I, I thought I'd, I'd like to give it a try to see what the result is. But are you talking about foot manicures and pedicures, or just in general? Uh, well, in general, <laughs> the other thing is Get like a good belt just make sure you replace your shoes like uh, with really good quality shoes, yeah. and uh, you know don't uh, don't hold on to them too long, right? Yeah. So the I've, thing I've is, I've noticed that with with running, absolutely, yeah, that's a, that's a huge one. Yeah, ironically, the best pair of shoes I ever had, they're forty dollars. Is that they're a pair of Asics? I bought yeah. I bought three pairs of. Them. I love I love my Asics. I'm at the yeah. same walking. shop, the same shoes. Yeah, but but I thought it was interesting when I was young. Um, Mom brought me for an orthotics thing or whatever because I, I don't know if it was a growing thing or I don't think I don't remember having pain or anything. But when they put you on that, what's it called, pressure pad? Yeah. And you see it, and you're like, holy shit, man! Yeah. That's not Pro-nation, how it's supposed to be. And then they nation. then they tell you like, you know, this will cause hip problems, back problems, this is this, and you go, wow. And and most people should probably have them, but they don't. I told me if you're and, walking twenty thousand steps a day. Yeah. And and imagine yeah. how the couch, be all right. <laughs> how many people have so many problems just because they're not aligned properly. Yeah. You work in a, in a hog one. Yeah. Tell me about the the benefits of of hog one work. Generally, people hope to um, 
to go on to university. I've done both. Pre- uh, honestly, I've worked at Hogwans that the the quality of work and the, and the people I interacted with far surpassed the the experience in in college. Or yeah, I what can't speak your, to the college experience, yeah. but uh, what's what's uh, attractive for Hogwan work for you? Well, uh, the schedule for one thing is a is a, a nice thing. I really like uh, afternoons. You know the you know the afternoons yep. to the evenings, right? And, and it really fits with my lifestyle, right? Yep. The people that are coming there are they want to be there. Yeah. So that's a big benefit, right? Awesome. Have you had any very unique Hogwarts experiences? For example, uh, we have a friend Damien who was here before, who decided to have a, an arm wrestling tournament in his in his class. Yeah. I know Win was a big arm wrestler in class too. Yeah. And he broke a kid's arm. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, listen. The craziest part, <laughs> listen. He snapped this kid's arm. The kid went home, and he he thought, like, oh, I'm fired for sure. He said, no one ever breathed a word about it. So that kid went home with a broken arm, came back the next day with a cast. No one <laughs> talked about it, except he said, like, a few months later, he was driving home with a co-worker who mentioned it. Like, dude, you broke that kid's arm, eh? He's like, yeah, I felt bad about that. And then that guy died. <laughs> that guy died randomly. Like, the like, co-worker? The co-worker. The, the only guy that's ever mentioned it to him. Worst just, teacher ever. Just worst teacher <laughs> ever. Wow. I shot a kid in the leg with a BB gun. In, in class, like, the, they had put the CCTV in. Yeah. Like, the day before. That I tested yeah. out my BB and gun. It, it, dude, and they hadn't See, hooked it, it up yet. And I thought, this was in first sim, first couple months of, uh, of working. And it was a, I remember the kid Max. He was a pain in the ass, and he brought the gun to school. And I, like, I cocked it, shot it at the ground, nothing. Cocked it, shot it at the ground, nothing. Cocked him. I'm gonna shoot you in the leg. No, no, no. And dude, yeah, just right on the inside, just a little stinger on the inside of the yeah. leg. Everyone just gathered around. I was like, oh shit, I gotta go explain to everyone at home why I'm coming home. I got no job. Oh So did you ever shoot God. or kill anyone? Well, you know, <laughs> how many arms have you broken? So here's the funny thing. I, I remember I used to have this like Nerf ball, yeah. right? And um, when I was studying education, I took a drama class, yeah. and uh, one of the things that they did in this drama class as a as a, a, a way to uh, introduce yourself to the member and uh, to the other members of the class was, yeah, you'd call someone's name and you throw a ball, yeah. right? And then the teacher, the professor added like three or four and the whole class was like, hey, John, uh, hey, Fred, right? Yeah. You know, and you're passing these balls. So it's a warm-up activity, right? <laughs> so one of the girls got it. Uh, this little tiny Nerf ball, yeah. you know, because uh, I was trying to use, you know, the right kind of stuff. And yeah. one of the kids whipped it right into her eye, right? <laughs> so so the thing is, now, whenever I do this exercise, I just use imaginary balls, yeah, yeah. right? So, so... So I use imaginary balls yeah. for anything like that. <laughs> Same ones my but wife produces to play with. <laughs> I was going to say, as long as a girlfriend's not doing right. that. There's, there's a couple of incidents, though, I remember where, uh, you know, I'm doing a lesson plan. And I've got this book, right? And uh, it was a Disney book. And uh, we were talking about I, my I like body parts, oh, right? Okay. So th- it was like my, uh, my head my uh, shoulders, my arms, my hands, right? 
And then this kid is doing that, and at the end he went, my precious. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice, nice, nice. That was just a special memory. And then there's another one. We were doing this unit on snails, and the kid goes, teacher, how do snails eat? Because he doesn't really see a mouth. And I was like, I don't know. But he goes... Slowly. Oh, I'm like, like, oh, that's. I'm gonna use that. All right. I'll I'll pretend I wrote that joke. Have you been at the same place for a long time? I was at the same place for a very long time, and then she sold it because she had eye problems. So, and it's good to get out into a new school and be fresh because you've got to try and, you know, like. reinvent yourself in ways to make sure that you're not stale but i also think the guys who stay a long time and are in the hog one thing they usually have really good setups really good you hear of all the horror stories but the guy there's people who stay a long time in hog ones and they usually have very good relationships yeah yeah very understanding yeah yeah that's why directors and it usually is a very good mutual yes relationship Mm -hmm. yeah typically that that's the way it works right so like when i worked in the restaurant business it was so notorious for turnover right but the thing is when i worked at smugglers Inn, i worked with the same people literally like for like i stayed there for like nine years you know i just i just when you say that i just picture my dad coming down at like one in the morning in his smugglers get to bed you guys get to bed he's going to the fridge for his midnight snack and he's oh. going, get to bed, you guys. What are you doing up still? You got to get up in the morning. He's got these tiny little smugglers on. Oh, good, Lord. You know, smugglers in. All right, to, to finish up, is there something that uh, you hoped we'd ask that we didn't? Anything you I don't. Re- I mean, like, there's so many things we talked about. Mm. So we had a lot of fun time. Uh, we had a fun time. Uh, the only thing I was going to add was, like, uh, the annoyance of finding good headphones that are bluetooth that actually last longer than six weeks yeah i just hate the apple that. apple ones don't work oh i'm not i guess you don't have an apple listen i'm not spending i'm not right. spending like a hundred and eighty thousand or pro- whatever this is why they, this is why they don't last i'm not <laughs> yeah i'm not spending I'll 300, buy 17 individual pairs. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i keep going to daiso and they don't last very long no 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 listen you know there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of uh, uh, consumer choice in Korea, really, mm. right? You could buy you could buy consumer made electronics on an Amazon website and ship it to Korea cheaper than you could buy it in Korea, yeah. Yeah, right? That's crazy. Black Friday, right? Black yeah. Friday, they buy a Samsung TV in the states, ship to Korea, and it costs half the price of the one here. Yeah. So, um, so I think uh, a lot of uh, Korean people are, uh, I think, they don't have enough, I don't think they have enough competition that benefits the consumer. No, Korean Air. I mean, everything, everything. Still, Hyundai's still priced extremely high. Yeah. Last two. How many bottles in your collection? I don't know. I really don't know. More so, than 100? Oh, easily more than 100. I mean, you saw the picture. Like, I think I've got like 14 bottles of rum, just rum. Can you send those to us after? Well, we can post it as a thing. Oh, well, yeah. We want to post the announcement so, for the PETA party. Yeah, yeah. That, that PETA party <laughs> is going to be address. good. <laughs> right. That PETA party. I can't wait. What's, what's the dress code for that one? What's the dress code for that one? 
Well, uh, okay, listen. All right, here, here's here's the big plan, right? So the night that I want to do uh, the penicillin cocktail, I kind of want to have a guy's night, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Last I checked, the guy's night doesn't require penicillin anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So what I'm going to do, I like, like I want this party to be a reward for dedication, right? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm gonna hire a topless bartender. <laughs> All right, so so it'll be a guy's night, you know, uh, feature cocktail. Is that a topless male bartender? No, or no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna so you know pay a couple hundred thousand won, right? Topless bartender for uh, uh, a couple of hours, right? Have a couple of shaken cocktails, laugh, talk, drink, right? You know, pay her money, and then she can go. Then we can open up, you know, and have uh, you know. Uh, Baba Ganesh. Baba Ganesh. Roasted eggplant. What yeah. a delicious thing. Absolutely. So right. so well over a hundred then. Yeah, well Bottles over a hundred. Well over a hundred. Wow. Right. And I've got things that you just can't get in other bars. Mm. I've got uh I mean, most bars don't have topless bartenders. <laughs> most bars don't have topless bartenders. Most bars don't have Pernod or uh, any kind of absinthe, right? Mm. I've got something. It's not, it's not illegal, is it? No, it's not illegal. Okay, you know we're talking about corporate protectionism. Yeah. You know, uh, causing a problem for <laughs> you know uh, the food industry. Mm. Well, vermouth. The actual uh, word vermouth comes from the word wormwood, right? Yeah. So it was the vermouth manufacturers that actually uh, uh, pressed the lawmakers to ban uh, the vermouth, uh, to, to ban their competitor uh, huh. from making absinthe. That's why it was banned. Huh. Right? Interesting. Yeah, interesting. But anyway, I've got, uh, so I've got uh, chartreuse. Okay, I've got uh, another one there. The uh, that uh, cherry liqueur, the Luxardo Maraschino, right? It's such a distinct uh, ingredient in Prohibition cocktails that you can't replace with <laughs> any other flavor. Mm. If if I'm gonna make a last word cocktail, mm. right? It's gin, uh, lime juice, uh, Maraschino liqueur and chartreuse mm. and each component pulls in a different direction mm. it is a very unique cocktail that you will never ever try in any bar in korea because mm. they just don't have it well bry hasn't had a drink in a few years but i think one thing might might yeah. convince him and it might, be, might, might be the <laughs> hooter shooters, shooters or, or the zombie hooters or the zombie yeah the, the zombie is going to be fun the zombie is going to be fun oh man but I, I gotta say hey it's been a pleasure man and I miss catching up with you and I haven't seen you in ages uh, you said the last biggest party about six years ago and yeah I might have been in your place maybe eight or eight yeah. or nine years ago, but those yeah. were those were awesome times and lots of the guys who were around here will never forget them. So. Yeah, I cooked uh, turkey dinner. Uh, for my last one, right? Mm. And uh, that was the one I kind of, uh, I made sure to invite my current girlfriend because I really had my eye on her, mm. right? She hates turkey. She hates chicken, <laughs> right? But she came anyway, right? Mm. 
All right. So. All right. We'll end on that pun. Okay. <laughs> See you later. All right. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Dr. English, for all of your English conversational needs. Check out their website at www.dr-english.com or call 010-4591-1496 for a free sample class now. Open your door to endless opportunities. Dr. English.